The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. It's time for this week's Know Your Foe episode. We have a great guest. It's Bo Brock of gophnx.com. Uh, to tell us all about the Arizona Cardinals. Bo, how you doing? Doing well. I think I'm doing better than this team uh, is doing out here in the desert as they're welcoming, I think, a tough challenge, especially with what uh, Lamar Jackson and his Ravens offense was able to accomplish the previous week. Should be uh, a pretty big test for Jonathan Gannon and crew. All right. Well, uh, I know Ravens fans are hoping so, but why don't you take us through some of the drama this offseason with the Arizona Cardinals and and I think really some of the Kyler Murray drama. You know, obviously there's there's uh, the perception around a lot of the NFL that the Cardinals are tanking, but take us through some of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the latter is a little bit of a misconception. And, you know, when you talk about drama, I think it's been a little bit refreshing with the regime change as the organization decided to hit the full reset button for the most part, despite signing Cliff Kingsbury and former GM Steve Keim to, to contract extensions at that point through 2027 to move off of Steve Keim, who unceremoniously resigned at the end of December. And Cliff Kingsbury was fired on Black Monday. And the team ultimately decided to go with Monty Austin Fort, who comes in with a ton of experience from the New England Patriots organization. And uh, most recently with the Tennessee Titans front office, he was the assistant GM there. And uh, he made the decision to go with Jonathan Gannon, somebody he identified when he knew he was going to get an opportunity at a general manager position. He was told to make a short list, and Jonathan Gannon was right there on the short list as far as potential head coaches. And so he goes with the Philly defensive coordinator as the new face of this organization. And uh, it's really been kind of a message of, we're going to go with our guys over kind of the big name guys. And, you know, JG brings in guys like a first-year offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, comes over from the quarterback's coach of the Cleveland Browns. And then he brings over Nick Rollis, who's the linebacker's coach at 29 when he was hired as defensive coordinator. So a relatively, you know, really young staff. Um, and they kind of navigate, if, if you want to point out maybe some some uh, drama, it's, it's this team kind of, tearing down what the previous regime tried to build and it was just kind of an epic failure it was a team that went four and 13 it wasn't built for sustainable success and i think that what monty osport and jonathan gannon want to do is is create a a team that can be consistently in it in contending each and every year and the cardinals kind of had a cup of coffee here and there went back to the playoffs in 2021 but it's like four years out of the playoffs one year in the playoffs and then rinse and repeat so 
I think that this this is a this is a team that's going in the right direction. I think they have the right leadership to do so, and you know, making the the tough but probably necessary decisions to let guys like Zach Allen and interior defensive linemen walk and, and go get paid by the Denver Broncos for over fifteen million dollars per year, and a cornerback and Byron Murphy, who's uh, Arizona native, who uh, was a second round pick of this team. He goes and signs a deal with the Minnesota Vikings, and the Cardinals just kind of let him walk. I think that those were those were unpopular decisions, but this team just trying to get back to neutral, get down to the studs, and figure out who they want to move forward with and really start to draft and develop the players that they're going to have for this team. Okay, so common common issue with just the, the last comment you made is that the Ravens are constantly going through a cycle where they need to let free agents go because they've had a lot of success in the draft. And mm-hmm. it's a heartbreaking component of that kind of success that you have to let a lot of your players go. And that included trading players like Orlando Brown, Marquise Brown, uh, Hayden Hurst and others, uh, and also letting them go in free agency. And they have a huge wave heading out at the at the end of this season. How much of the of the free agency for the Cardinals was really forced by their situation and how much was it was a decision to, say, build cap for the future? Yeah, building cap, uh, creating, you know, the ability to pivot any direction this upcoming offseason. I mean, they, they moved off. Of, they just cut DeAndre Hopkins, who, mm-hmm. you know, I think they maybe misdiagnosed what his market would be, and, and it just wasn't there. So they, they cut him, and they cut him basically a season uh, earlier because if they waited another day and it's June 1st, you know, his contract's on the books another season. It's it's $11 million in 2023 and $11 million in 2024, and they just wanted to absorb that and potentially roll over any cap space that they could get. And they're going to have a significant amount of cap space to spend, almost too much to spend this offseason because it's not a team that's going to uh, eye free agency as a way to get better. You know, they might they might figure find a guy like they did this offseason, Kazir White, who played uh, who plays the inside linebacker, off linebacker spot for this team. And he's been a good signing, but it's, it's they're, they're very rarely going to say, hey, we're going to get better at this position through free agency. I think that they've got a sense that that's a bit fool's gold. I, well, I'm I'm all for you on that. I I, I hate free, going after free agents, but what I love is going going after and signing your homegrown players after year three and, and potentially getting a mm-hmm. discount there from the security that provides. Do the, do the Cardinals have anyone in that position? You know, it, it's they're going to have to make a decision on on Marquise Hollywood Brown. He's in the final year of his, his deal. They picked up his option, and he's making about thirteen million this season. And he's having a fine year. Is is he kind of? Uh, a victim of, of bad quarterback play the last couple of weeks, probably from Joshua Dobbs. But, you know, I, I don't know if that's somebody, if, if Hollywood Brown's number gets too high, you know, close to $20 million per season, if they'll even entertain that, they've got a lot of other glaring holes at other premium positions that uh, maybe doesn't seem like he's, he's a fit to come back. Um, but yeah, not, not a whole lot of people right now because they, they did really clean house. Like Isaiah Simmons, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, and then ended up shipping him out to the New York Giants for a seventh-round pick. Um, you know, the next guy that might be in in place for an extension is about a year away, and in, in Zayvon Collins, and they moved him from off-ball linebacker to an edge rusher position. I think it boosts his value a little bit. He's been a little bit more productive, and obviously, coming off the edge is a little bit more valuable in the NFL. And he might actually be in line for them to pick up his fifth-year option and then work out a, a multi-year extension, but. There's really nobody. I mean, this is kind of a, a classic example of a new regime coming in, cleaning house, and, and really having a tough time identifying people that they want to move forward with. 
All right. Well, let's move on to the quarterback situation because that's obviously uh, – we did notice that Kyler Murray has practiced this week. Do you expect him to start this game against the Ravens? No, no, I don't. I don't. It would be a miracle, actually. I mean, he's been primarily working out with uh, practice squad, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, he was out there again today. So kind of week two is mirroring the start. how week one went for Kyler's return to the practice field from Pup. Uh, we talked to Joshua Dobbs in a spot that's, you know, set up for the starting quarterback for that week's game. So he did his normal media availability. And it, Kyler Murray would have to dominate in practice as of today, tomorrow, and Friday and really do something miraculous for them to pull the trigger and put them and activate him and to be in the lineup against Baltimore come Sunday. But I think they don't want him to face miles Garrett the next week. So probably a, a game in early November against the Atlanta Falcons in week 10 is, is the best time for Kyler Murray to come back. So looking at two more games of Joshua Dobbs starting at the quarterback position for Arizona. Now, where where is your hope for Kyler Murray long term? Is is he? And I don't even know what year of his his second contract he's on right now, right? But he has signed his mm-hmm. second deal, right? So he's on the fifth his fifth year option right now, and then okay. his huge contract extension that he signed last for last season, uh, which was you know five years, six years, two hundred thirty and a half million dollars, starts to kick in next year. And it's going to be a, a big decision for this organization. Like Kyler Murray is going to play games for this team, right? And, he, you know, is it going to be seven or eight games? You know, that remains to be seen. But it's going to be enough for them to make a decision like, is this the guy we're going to move forward with? And, you know, they're going to have plenty of cap space regardless of what they do. If they decide to move forward with the contract, Kyler's going to kick in about $50 million towards the cap next season. Or if they decide to trade off of him, it's going to be about just over $46 million uh, in dead cap space that – they can take on in 2024 and 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 go and probably pivot to a rookie contract, quarterback contract. I would think mm-hmm. I, that scenario can I think is if the Arizona Cardinals bottom out and they've got you know one of the two top picks in this draft and are in just a, a great position to take either Caleb Williams or Drake May. But otherwise, I think they move forward, and I think that also is. Because Kyler Murray played them out of being in that position. Because right now, one one win, they're picking second. If if that stays the status quo, then I, I think that you know Kyler didn't make his case well enough, and they moved to a guy like Drake May out of North Carolina. All right, uh, uh, c- characteristic, just just qualitatively in terms of his play, and also I guess maybe more importantly, because this has really been something that's kind of dogged him for the last couple of years in terms of his work habits and whatnot. Have you seen any changes there from from Murray? I mean, we've seen it uh, ever since the the new coaching staff came in, uh, him really be embraced by them and him kind of uh, really embrace them back. And he's put in the work on and off the field as as much as he, you know, the the word that they used to describe how he was approaching his rehab was he was attacking his rehab and he's been chomping at the bit to come back. And and everything that you've been, you want to hear about Kyler Murray and how he's approaching the game and how he's approaching his comeback is exactly what you want. You want to hear from your franchise quarterback that you just, you know, signed to a, a huge extension like they did. But then, you know, I think Jonathan Gannon maintains this with all his players. Like, you know, you, you can really like the player and, and the guy in the classroom and, and the guy that you talk to, but it, it's it's going to be a different story when he hits the grass and, and when he's playing ball. And and that's going to really be the final measuring stick of, like, what, what they're going to do with, with Kyler going forward. And if he can come out and he can, you know, turn back the clock to kind of year 
three instead of what we saw in year four from him before he suffered the ACL injury on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. I think that the, the Cardinals have a fairly easy decision. They just move forward with him and they build around him and they'll have the cap space to do so and the draft capital to do so. All right. Uh, Josh Dobbs has the reins for now. Ravens fans remember him a little bit from his time, I guess, in Pittsburgh and maybe also in Cleveland mm-hmm. as well. But uh, what can you tell us about him? Joshua Dobbs, I mean, rocket scientist, right? So, you know, he's got it between the ears, right? He's a really, really smart kid. Um, you know, not a whole lot of, I mean, this is the most he's ever played in his career. He, he held the clipboard for a long time behind Ben Roethlisberger and, and Mason Rudolph and really never got an opportunity there in Pittsburgh outside of a cup of coffee. And then kind of emerged at the end of last season in Tennessee as Malik Willis kind of proved not to kind of be over in over his skis a little bit to the Titans and they needed somebody to come in as they tried to chase a playoff spot and it was, it didn't work out, but you know, I think Dobbs showed at the time, Monty Osfort, who was there in Tennessee that, you know, he had a decent, a pretty good skill set. And, you know, they talked to him this March, wanted to bring him in as kind of the guy, the bridge to Kyler Murray, and they couldn't work out a deal. And they were going to move forward with Colt McCoy and McCoy just couldn't play. He, he had heard he had gone through several injuries last season and his arm just wasn't where an NFL quarterback needed to be as far as arm strength to make the throws. And they ended up once kind of DTR took over in Cleveland as, as the backup quarterback that, you know, made Dobbs available again. So they pulled the trigger on that deal. And, you know, he's got good size. He's got decent arm strength. He's got the mobility that they want for this offense. The accuracy has been a big issue the last couple of weeks, Ken. Like he went from somebody that I think surprised a lot of people and said, hey, man, we've been sleeping on Joshua Dobbs. You know, against week two against the Giants, he looked good. Week three against the Cowboys in a win, he looked really good. Even against in a loss against the San Francisco 49ers, he looked solid. And it's like the league is, a, is adjusted, kind of made him a little panicky in the pocket, a little happy feet, and balls are finally kind of sailing on him. And he's missing, you know, what most starting quarterback throws uh, will make to Hollywood Brown where he's beating his, his, his man one-on-one and, and got separation Dobbs has missed him. He's he's missed reads. He's missed uh, and been inaccurate on throws, and it's it's really hindered this offense to where you know they got shut out in the second half against uh, the Seattle Seahawks this 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 last uh, this last game, and it just hasn't been pretty offensive football under Dobbs, and he's gotten the trigger guy to that, and kind of the main reason for those for those struggles. So you get a couple AFC North teams who can legitimately play defense these next two weeks with with Baltimore yeah. and Cleveland. Um, Baltimore really known for playing a cover two shell this year, uh, forcing every team they face to throw underneath. Has that been something Dobbs has has been leaning on anyway, or, or has he been throwing it's, the ball right down the field? It's been kind of his Achilles uh, heel this this the last couple of weeks. I actually after I asked them today, I was like, "Have you seen a, a drastic difference in, in how defenses?" Are, are approaching you guys since the earlier success that you guys had. And he said, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say drastic, but you know, what, what just right out of your mouth, you know, those cover two shells and, and making everything kind of stay underneath and not giving up those explosive pass plays. And it seemed to be working. It really has been working for him, for opposing defense against Josh Dobbs and, and the Cardinals and, and taking Hollywood Brown out of the equation, taking a nice third round receiver out of Stanford, Michael Wilson out of the game plan last three weeks. And it's going to be up to them to kind of hit on some easy layup passes, uh, maybe even hit on some ones where, you know, they're not, you know, maybe a little tighter windows, but just got to see an uptick in, in, in accuracy from Dobbs. But, you know, at this point, you know, it would be kind of more 
bucking a trend in anything if, if he's able to figure it out, you know, uh, albeit at home against a, a pretty decent defense. All right, well, let's let's move on to the offensive line. Always want to hear the state of that. Injury is obviously a big thing. Paris Campbell, want to obviously hear how he's doing, but take us through. Yeah, the offensive line was a, was a real bright spot for this team. I'd say up until the last couple of weeks, they struggled against Seattle's defensive front. But, you know, they had the, it, it's been a really rock solid group and, and available group is what, like the starting five. It started all the way up until last week together. Their left guard, who was probably the weakest link of the starters, Elijah Wilkinson, was out. And they had to bring in Dresden Cologne, who, who played the guard spot. He was okay. Uh, DJ Humphreys got, t- yeah, he got tossed from that game, uh, which really kind of screwed things up. And in the, in the veteran, the highest paid offensive lineman, it, your left tackle, it, it, it was a it was a rough day, game for them. So they're looking to bounce back. But for the most part, really surprising um, addition. And Yelda Frodeholt has been held down the center position. Uh, he's been rock solid. He was a journeyman guy with Cleveland before this. Followed the offensive coordinator Petsing out here to the desert. And uh, Will Hernandez, who struggled as kind of a draft darling second rounder to the New York Giants to start his career, really come out here and been a, one of their most reliable uh, offensive linemen playing the right guard spot. And you talk about Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Outside, of, like last week was his worst game by far. You know, he gives up a sack, gets penalized. Uh, he wasn't as efficient in the run game. Uh, but those two guys on the right side, they've been really rock solid in, in creating – uh, and bulldozing uh, rush lanes for this for this offense, and you, they won't have James Conner, and they've got an undrafted rookie free agent, Amari Dermacato, who's who's still averaging you know 4.5 yards per carry, and it, it really starts on the right side of the line with those guys. And Paris Johnson's done a really good job in the run game. I think you want to see him a little bit better in pass pro, but kind of living up to six overall pick. So it's if if you're looking at the the Cardinals 2023 season as a whole. You know, I think that one of the positives on their resume has been this offensive line. Okay. All right. So for for next year, who do they have that's still going to be around for sure? I mean, Tristan Cologne probably yeah. is a journeyman, but to others. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Froholt is under contract through 2024. I think that he's there potentially with a, a rookie behind him uh, for the future of that position at center. Paris Johnson Jr., you know, it's, does he stay at right tackle or does he switch over to left tackle? Do they use one of those the two first-round picks that they have on some of these very impressive tackle prospects and really set up, you know, bookend their tackle spot for the, the foreseeable future? That's a that's a possibility. You know, I think that Will Hernandez remains – He I think he's on their contract through next season. So the right side is pretty much locked in. And then DJ Humphreys, who I mentioned, he's – most of his guaranteed dollars are – they run out this year. He's under contract. I think that that's somebody becomes a bit of a cap casualty and, and they decide to either move Paris Johnson over to that spot or drafts a franchise caliber left tackle in the draft. Okay. I see you there. 9 million in savings next year if they cut uh, Humphreys. So that's, a, that's about yeah. the position the Ravens are in with Ronnie Stanley next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hate, you know, I, I just hate the idea of of uh, Ronnie going. We've always thought he'd be a Ring of Honor member, but uh, sometimes injuries just catch up to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, let's let's start talking about the receivers, uh, wide receiver room. What does it look like? Hollywood Brown has has been, uh, you know, a guy that that's hungry to to get paid this offseason. Uh, like I said, a bit of a victim to the inaccuracies of the quarterback and Joshua Dobbs and. 
Um, he's played through several injuries. He came into the season injured. He's dealing with a hamstring. He's dealing with an ankle. Uh, he's dealing with a thumb. He dealt with an illness. Just so many things have come Hollywood Brown's way, and I think he's responded very well. But, you know, it's really going to come down to do they want to pay him. But regardless of right now, I think he's playing uh, at a pretty high level for the Cardinals. Um, but then there's uh, also, you know, you've got Michael Thomas, who was a third-round pick, who starred through training camp and kind of came out of the gate top for this team and was playing really well and was trending, you know, week in and week out the right direction. And it kind of uh, hit a fever pitch where he had two touchdowns against the 49ers. Um, and then since then, it's been, you know, seven catches for 107 yards the last three games. The productivity just fell off a cliff. So Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um there's those two guys who I think are their top targets. And then you've got Rondell Moore, who's mixed into kind of the backfield a little bit. He's been playing a little slot, but in the past game, he hasn't been anybody that's made an impact at all. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, you're just kind of looking at, you know, a Zach Pascal, who's primary special teams guy, who's, who's kind of a, used as a blocker as well. And then you have a guy in Greg Dorch, who's more your kick return guy. So, uh, you know, outside of the top two players, pretty interchangeable parts. Uh, Wilson's really the only guy that's locked in for the foreseeable future. So just hearing your comments on Brown and and a question arising whether or not they want to pay him, the natural next question is, is he a, a potential trade deadline move if they want to acquire draft capital? Does that seem reasonable at this point for the Cardinals? Yeah, I don't think that they're going to part ways with Hollywood. I think that they, they want him to be here for when Kyler comes back and, and potentially win some games. Um, and, and make a decision on both of those guys and, and that they can complement each other a little bit uh, as far as the deadline goes. So, like, if you take Hollywood off the table unless somebody comes over the top, there's really nobody. Like, Ertz just went on IR. He would have been a candidate, but mm-hmm. it would have been a pretty good scenario where I think that the organization would respect it. Like, if he wanted to go somewhere, they would they would facilitate that. But otherwise, he probably just would have finished out the year here likely retired um there, there just really isn't anybody like they really gutted this roster before the season 
began and they they were able to collect the draft capital and the assets that they needed to going into the 2024 offseason. So I don't think that they're still in like, uh, you know, asset accumulation mode any longer. I just don't think that there's they have anybody on the roster that anybody views as, as valuable and that will kind of outweigh, you know, getting worse on the on the, the 2023 roster going forward. All right. Very good. I think Brown would be the guy, by the way. I think that there are teams that would covet him and, and, you know, the receiver, the wide receiver position seems to be tremendously overvalued generally in the NFL being a Ravens mm-hmm. fan, you know, having the Greg Roman offense here for years that was successful with what five tight ends among the five eligible receivers at times it seemed yeah. um, was, was uh, something that, that, you know, really facilitated Marquise Brown being traded out of Baltimore um, yeah, but, uh, but it'd be it'd be interesting. I think there's teams that would want him. Yeah, I mean, teams have kind of they they've called on him. They just mm-hmm. the Cardinals just didn't show any didn't entertain any, any true offers on that. I think that they would have to be you know upwards of a third round, second round pick for Monty Austin for to to really kind of look into it. And, and then it's just like okay, you take Hollywood out of this offense. What do you what are you left with? You got mm-hmm. you know Michael Wilson who you're encouraged by, but if you put hit like the I guess the emphasis from a defense on him, what does he do? And then, you know, you've got Greg George, Rondell Moore. I just don't think that's enough. Uh, that that would be a pretty egregious sign of a tank, even though, you know, you're, you're out there and, and you're adding, you know, right now they've got six picks in the top three rounds. I think that they're, they're pretty content with that. All right. All right. Very good. Uh, how about the tight end group and then the running backs? Yeah, the tight end group took a hit with Zach Hurts, who looked really rusty coming back from an ACL injury. Looked every bit his age, and Father Time continues to be undefeated in the NFL. And you know, Hurts was—they—they they wanted to depend on him as he was kind of his former self, and struggled and had a quad injury after this week, and he's on IR. So now it's former second-round pick at a Colorado State, Trey McBride, who's uh, who's shown flashes but not consistently been involved in the passing game been more of a, of a blocker I think that they're going to need it he's going to have to prove something to this new regime that you know he was worth the 55th overall selection and that he could be the, the former thousand yard receiver Colorado State that he was at the NFL level and then a bunch of unknowns I mean they've got Blake Whitehart who was an undrafted free agent that they just elevated from the practice squad and then they have uh, Elijah Higgins who is I think a sixth round pick out of Stanford converted wide receiver so he's got the struggles of just kind of uh making that transition from a, the college level to from a wide receiver to a tight end. And then they got a guy in Jeff Schwame who, who played, you know, decent downs for the Titans before, but I don't think he's anybody that he's a guy that anybody's going to rely upon in the, in the passing attack. So tight ends, it's, it's a group with, it's very inexperienced outside of Swaim and, and, and looking for Trey McBride to step up. And then the backs, you know, without James Connor, it's, it's the same story. It's like, you got a second, second-year player in a Keontae Ingram who had an opportunity to kind of take hold of it, never did, and he kind of got surpassed by a guy, Amari Dermacato, who didn't even start at TCU last year behind Kendra Miller, who is now the Cardinals' lead back. He was primarily a, just kind of passing down, third down back, and now he's getting, you know, probably I, I think they want to start a, a keep do a ceiling for his touches to about 15. Um, I, he just doesn't seem like he's a, he's a bell cow guy. And then a, a veteran that they brought in off the streets, you'll recognize from the Chiefs uh, run a couple of years ago, Damian Williams, who uh, was on their practice squad that I think they'll probably elevate another time this game day on Sunday. Connor, the ex-Steeler, 
uh, now with the Cardinals, uh, having his best year by far. Talk a little bit about him for a second. Yeah, he's he's um, he's really an interesting case because he's under contract one more year. But I would be shocked if he came back and he's playing under the same number. I think that there would be a restructure there. Uh, if you look at his age, uh, you know, 26, 27, that's an elder statesman as far as running backs go. And I think that this organization, if, if they had the ability, if, if the opportunity arose, they probably would have drafted the guy. But they just had so many needs. And they, and just the way that the, the draft dominoes fell, there's an early run, two running backs in the first round, and you know, a couple guys went in the second round. The opportunity never presented itself. I think of their, of their draft capital, you know, projects to be about 11 picks. I think that they'll probably get a young guy in here um, but Connor's been great, man. I mean, as far as great locker room guy, I mean, what, what they miss, they miss him on the field more than you would think he was having his best year. Uh, and, and you can see that just the playmaking ability just that, that he provides when he's healthy, um, it, they severely miss it. Like Joshua Dobbs, I think is probably the biggest victim of that. Like when he created that conflict of, you know, are they going to run on any given down, uh, what James Connor can do out of the backfield, what he doesn't pass pro. I think that uh, Joshua Dobbs is, is severely missing him, and, and the Cardinals miss him overall. But I think he'll probably be back right around Kyler Murray when he's eligible at IR around week 10. All right. Very good. So I, I, this shocked me when I saw the statistic, but James Conner had 16 touchdowns two years ago. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I think he has 20. I think it's 28 in his Cardinals career, and he, yeah. he's only been here since 21. So that, that can't uh, be that far down the all-time Cardinal list. I mean, I would think it'd be in the top 25. Yeah, no, it's it's up there. I mean, if you look at just total touchdown scores uh in over since twenty twenty one, only Austin Eckler has more than James Conner. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh great information on the offense. Any kind of partic- uh, particular personnel grouping that they that they start and end with? Do they play a lot of twelve, a lot of eleven, twenty one? What do they like to go with? Yeah, there's there's a lot of two tight end sets, and that's what's going to be interesting without Ertz. Like, who's going to be that second tight end? Is it going to be Swain? Are they going to try to really kind of with at one and six? Are they going to be a team that's that's going to try to develop guys and Higgins and uh, and Blake Whitehart, who's now on the active roster? Uh, but you know, tr- a lot of Trey McBride uh, and and really trying to set themselves up for success in the run game. So I think that's what what you'll see. Um, but but not much, nothing, nothing too exotic. I mean, sometimes it, it's like early downs. You know, they look a lot like kind of a, a Cleveland, a San Francisco. And then in, in, on third down passing downs, they look a lot like Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Very good. Um, you know, I think the big thing for the Ravens this year has been kind of a perceived weakness at cornerback. A lot of that's gone away with Marlon Humphrey's return. Brandon Stevens' emergence as a pretty darn good corner. Uh, they've sat some guys, frankly, who were very productive for him early in the year while they were out. But they've got uh, Arthur Mollette might be a little bit of a weakness at slot corner uh, that other teams, mm-hmm. I think, can take advantage of. H- how do you expect the Cardinals to attack the Ravens defense? Yeah, I think that they are going to try to get Hollywood Brown involved. That, that seems to be the game plan as of late. Like, and it worked early against the Cincinnati Bengals in the first half. And they were hitting for big, 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 big uh you know, explosive plays with Hollywood there um, and really get Michael Wilson involved in this game. I would, I would imagine that, that that's the game plan, you know, or can the Ravens take them out of it? You know, that's what opposing defenses has been able to do the last couple of weeks. And, and the Cardinals, all they can do is 
to combat is, is try to establish a run game and it hasn't, it just hasn't been working. So, um, you know, it, if with their best set plans, you know, that that's what they want to do. But, you know, I think that the way that this offense is trending, like they, they have to buck a couple trends themselves to, to make some plays against the, this, this Ravens defense. And I think that they'll, they'll try to do it via Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson, but uh, it hasn't worked the last couple of weeks. All right. All right. Very good. Let's flip it over to the defense. Um, one thing I always like to start with is kind of what's their their favorite pass, uh, favorite look on passing downs in terms of both a package. Do they go to a dime? Uh, what do they do in terms of personnel and in terms of alignment? Yeah. You know, I talked to Jonathan Gannon today and he was because uh, I've noticed just throughout his tenure, like they drafted this third round uh, rookie corner out of uh, Syracuse and Garrett Williams, who I think they benefited from him having a, a knee injury against Notre Dame last year. And wasn't ready. Made his debut last week, first game, first pick. And he was playing, he played 22 of his 26 snaps in, in the slot. And I asked Gannon, you know, like, what do you, how have you seen the evolution of the slot? You know, the nickel corner, it used to be just kind of a backup corner. He had some coverage skills and he views it. He said, look, I view that as a starting position. He, he really likes to get in these uh, these nickel, these dime, these penny looks. And he likes to have, you know, uh, you know, any at any time, you know, five to six corners on the field. Let me go back to Penny for a second. This has always been pissed me off about how defenses are named because it, it breaks the coinage rules. But uh, yeah. a penny, as you say, it is is five defensive backs, three down linemen, one inside linebacker. Yeah. The one the one off ball linebacker. Yeah. And it's usually because you're white. Um, but you know, they're going to get Jalen Thompson back, who's, who's a really rock-solid, underrated safety in this league. He's been playing the slot a little bit for this team this season. He's been out the last two weeks with a hamstring issue, and you had Buda Baker, who was on the IR until last week, come back. Really great uh, safety, playmaking safety there. And then Garrett Williams, who I, who's been playing inside. So really, like, probably their most rock-solid unit. It's going to be the first time you're going to see the, it, full personnel this year. And They'll be on the field probably to start the game and for the bulk of the game, those three players right there. And they'll rotate in and Andre Sachere, who played uh, primary teams for Philadelphia, but a little experience in Gannon and, and Rollis' defense. Um, but you're, you'll see those those three safeties basically out there or you know two safeties in a slot and then two outside corners. Marco Wilson's had a brutal year. He's a third-year corner out of Florida. Uh, and then – Right now, it's it's a rookie in Starling Thomas. He's he's taken over starting position over Keytrail Clark, who's a six round pick that started early on and looked good and just kind of fell off a cliff. Are they a committed nickel team that has the weak side linebacker on the field all three downs, or do they rotate there with a dime back? Uh, usually, they'll usually rotate in with the with the linebacker there, uh, or with the linebacker on the field at all times. So. Um, yeah, you got Kazir White, and they'll they'll usually bring in a, a Josh Woods to play that other linebacker spot for the Arizona Cardinals. All right, all right, very good. Uh, take us through the defensive line. One of the questions I always have about <laughs> about the DL is what kind of um, usage are they getting in terms of snap count management and whatnot? Yeah, I mean that's that's really like when you look at the the management and a really heavy rotation, and I don't I don't I don't think it's a product of not having any big names in that spot either. I think that they would do it if they had a couple of blue chip, you know, first you know high draft picks and, and some big money players playing that position, like JG had in Philly, like where he had Fletcher Cox and Dominic and Sue and uh, you know Jordan Davis, like just a huge deep rotation. Where here it's the exact opposite, but still 
the same scheme, right? Nick Rollis likes sometimes you're seeing two defensive linemen in there. Sometimes you're seeing three. Um, and, and then they've got the two edge rushers, you know, like that they, the front seven is just a, is an, is a rotation at all times. And you're seeing guys, if somebody breaks 50%, you know, that's a, that's a huge snap load for them in that game. So we're seeing no name guys from Lecky foe too, who's been here to Kevin strong jr. Who comes over from Tennessee Dante stills, who was a seventh round pick out of West Virginia uh, play in the interior of this defensive line. And then they're about six deep as far as the pass rush outside linebacker spot. David Collins made that position change from off-ball linebacker to edge rusher. Do, do they rotate in then edge for, a, for? I'm sorry. Do they kick inside edges to eat up DL snaps on passing downs? Yeah, sometimes they will. And some, you know, there's a few occasions Ken where they don't even have a, a true defensive lineman on the field. Mm-hmm. Like we'll see maybe of a heavier set edge rusher in the middle of the defense and then they've got two two edge rushers bumped out and that's a look that they'll give on a on a passing down where they can kind of pin their ears back um but yeah they they give you know a bunch of looks at you defensively they try to really use the diversity of their pass rush group uh and and take advantage of it from uh which opposing office they're facing Four years ago now, and as those were some really great years, obviously in 2019, but the Ravens had the lead the whole year effectively. And they only played 10.2% base defense for the whole year. And they played 13% of the time with four outside linebackers on the field. And just it's just incredible. This race car, as I call yeah. them, NASCAR packages, whatever you want to call them, can be very effective when you have a, a opportunity. There's a lot of definitely a lot of fun to watch. All right. Uh, any other any other players on defense? You took us through the secondary. We talked a little bit. About the, I think I don't think we talked about yeah. softball linebackers, did we? Uh, yeah, Kazir White is a guy that came over from Philadelphia. He's 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 been their their best defensive player, most consistent, no doubt about it. You know, a, couple, a pick here, a couple sacks here, a couple TFLs. Uh, he, he's been the guy that that they can really rely upon. That that can kind of be be the coach out there on the field for this team. Um, and, and then it, like Collins has been good. Victor Dumakeji has been solid in, in the pass rush. And then Dennis Gardeck, who also stars on special teams has been one of their best pass rushers, pretty versatile. He can drop back in coverage and he can also got a pretty good, uh, set of as far as as a pass rusher. All right. All right. Very good. Yeah. Um, any any ideas on how they'll try and align maybe differently to defend the Ravens' set of offensive weapons? Obviously, the biggest one being Lamar Jackson. Do you expect a spy? Yeah. Or do you expect? Yeah. What do they do? I I I wouldn't be surprised if they deployed two spies at some point. You know, as far <laughs> as Lamar Jackson and what teams have been doing against uh, to try to take away the run against Chicago when Fields was healthy. Um, yeah, I, I, I really wouldn't doubt that, but, you know, obviously you've got the, the three safeties, or the, the bigger defensive backs that I guess more equipped to, to get a guy like Lamar Jackson on the ground. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's really going to be interesting. They haven't been cut up too bad from, from mobile quarterbacks. They haven't faced too many mobile quarterbacks either this season. So it's going to be an interesting challenge for Jonathan Gannon, uh, and Nick Rollis, as far as going up against Lamar Jackson. And if, Jackson is just put in a position where he needs to beat him with his arm. If, if he can continue, maybe parlay a couple of good games like that together, it, it would kill, be it would be crushing for the Cardinals. All right, all right. I, maybe I, I don't like to do score predictions. I always hate it when people ask me, and I'm on yeah. the show. So, well, how about just give a, give me a player on each side of the ball you think matches up pretty well against the Ravens? 
man. Um, matchup wise, I mean, offensively, we're, the, the Cardinals have been going in such a wrong direction. If, if they're going to get right, uh, you know, I think it, it is Hollywood Brown. And, you know, obviously facing his former team, I think that that's a guy that, that it, it's it just signs point to him. He needs to have a big game. And if he does, it, it seems to go the right direction for the Cardinals. Um, you know, they need to get back to, to protecting Joshua Dobbs as well. So, you know, you come down to, to key matchups that that offensive line has to have a rock solid game, especially uh, coming off, you know, protecting, you know, slowing down edge pressure against Dobbs. And then on, on the defensive side of the football, I mean, it is it is going to come down to, I think, you know, because you're white, somebody that's going to be tasked with not letting Lamar Jackson make those big game breaking plays with his legs. And that's easier said than done. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be in the form of either a Kazir White or a Buda Baker. And I know it's going to kind of go in shock as far as their, their most important defenders. But, you know, when you go up against a guy like that, you need your, need your star players to play at stars. All right. All right. Outstanding stuff, Bo. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah, we're uh, live every day, 4.30 Pacific, uh, 7.30 Eastern, uh, talking Cardinals football, PHNX Sports on YouTube. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. Appreciate it if you leave a five-star review or rating and review. Uh, that goes a long way. But also you can just follow me at Bo Brock on Twitter. All right, outstanding. So when I promo the show, if you would, please respond with where they can find any kind of preview show you have for the game because I know a lot of Ravens fans like to go out and find that for for opposing teams. Perfect. I sure will. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm always looking for new topics to talk with passionate fans about. I'll get back to you very quickly. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, Bo, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.